Hey, good morning, FCF. Um, I'm going to start out a little unusual today. I lived the first 30 years of my life in Washington, D.C. And one of the things that I enjoyed so much, this is going to sound a little crazy to some of you, but growing up in Washington, D.C., was riding the D.C. Transit buses. Uh, we didn't have school buses in those days. We, we got on a D.C. Transit bus, and we got as close as we could get to school, and then we walked. Imagine that. Anyway, uh, we loved you know, being on the buses. And it was not just us adults. Loved it. In fact, the bus drivers in those days, you know, we, we really liked them. In fact, one, one of the coolest things was when the bus driver got used to seeing you and maybe even knew your name and you knew his or her name. And there was just this warm exchange. And this, this went on very typically with kids and adults. And that was the way it was. Uh, you, could, you could travel all over Washington, D.C. very cheaply on a D.C. Transit bus. Okay. Fast forward. So I lived the first 30 years of my life in D.C. And D.C. Transit was a wonderful experience for me. And we had warm wonderful feelings toward the bus drivers. I want to share this recent ad campaign in Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. transit system about the D.C. transit bus drivers. You can see on your screen uh, a picture of a lady who is a bus driver, and it says, Mom, friend, metro bus, metro bus driver. Then under it, though, notice the caption. I hope you'll see all the things that I am and respect me like I respect you. Why would DC uh, Transportation Department run this expensive ad campaign to try to get people to respect the bus drivers? Well, here's why. Uh, they have had a rash, in our, and this has been going on since 2017, a rash of bad experiences in the way that the riders treat the bus drivers. They've had lots of bus drivers being screamed at. They've had lots of bus drivers uh, that have been punched, physically punched, physically assaulted. They had one incident where a woman, I'm not trying to gross anybody out here, but a woman urinated in a cup while on the bus and as she left the bus, threw it on the bus driver. The, the, the disrespect has become so intense for the bus drivers that they've had to run this campaign. Now, I've said all that to say this. What's going on? I mean, really, what is going on? We loved the bus drivers. It's not that we were really perfect people back then. Far from it. But something has happened. How do you go from feeling warm toward the bus drivers and the bus drivers feeling safe and warm toward we riders to now the bus drivers feel completely terrified, evidently, of the riders, and the riders seem to have this tremendous disrespect and disdain for the bus drivers. What is going on? Well, that's the name of this series, What's Going On? And what we have said repeatedly in this series is that we are living in an unusual period in human history. I've called it each week a tipping point where, where the scales that have been so, somewhat stable in certain ways are now shifting that all of a sudden, because of the time and the age we're living in, there's an accumulation of factors that have never ever happened before in history that are all converging at one time and they are changing society. They are changing the world and they are changing it in a way that it is not going to go back to the way that it was. In other words, uh, the days when the DC transit bus drivers were safe and respected 
are likely gone. Uh, they'll have to put them in a plastic bubble of some sort now to keep them safe, and then they still won't be respected. So what's going on? Okay, the, the passage of Scripture we've read each week, it comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. The Apostle Paul is writing. It's his last writing. He knows that Nero is going to uh, have him beheaded. He's waiting for his execution. He writes, led by the Spirit of God, his last words to Timothy, who had been serving with him for 22 years. Paul had been a servant of Jesus 32 years. And in the writing, here's what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, in the last days there will be terrible times, for people will be lovers of themselves. We dealt with that in the first message. Lovers of money, boastful and arrogant. We dealt with that in the second message. Today, blasphemous and disobedient to their parents. We're going to deal with that today. But it, it doesn't stop there. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, not able to reconcile with others, slanderous, without self-control, savage, haters of what is good, treacherous, reckless, puffed up with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to an outward form of godliness but denying its power. Paul says, turn away from such people. So here's our portion of Scripture, and the focus point for us today is it's on verse 2, where it says that people will become blasphemous and disobedient to parents. So what we want to look at is what I'm going to call the, the fundamental erosion of respect in a, in a society. When you no longer give appropriate respect to the Creator of all things that exist, well then, why would you give any respect to anything that's created? And so there, there's a trickle down. And, and so blasphemous toward God, disobedience toward parents. This is breaking of the third commandment, uh, not taking the Lord's name in vain, and then the fifth commandment, you know, to honor your, your parents. Both of those are being disregarded, but, but what it shows is a fundamental erosion in respect, again, let me go back to my tipping points. Why, Randy, are you so sure that this is the last days? Well, number one reason. After nearly 1,900 years of non-existence as a nation, just like the Scripture prophesied, Israel was reborn as a nation, May 14, 1948. Just like the Scripture prophesied, they regained their capital, Jerusalem, 1967, the Six-Day War. On top of that, we see this convergence of factors. The population explosion that I've talked about, it took all the way up from all of human history, it took all the way up to 1850 before we even had 1 billion people. Now we have nearly 8 billion people. The complete explosion of knowledge, once again, that graph from the, the early 1900s on, particularly 1950 on, that knowledge graph would just go straight off the charts. The development of technology, all these factors are coming together simultaneously, and they are pointing to the fact that we are living at a tipping point. And the tipping point in society has come as we have continuously been propagandized. We, we are living, we're the first group of people on the planet that are constantly being taught. We are being taught a point of view about life. It's on our screens. It's in, it's in the things that we read, the things that we listen to, the things that we watch. It is a point of view that says, if God is there at all, He is inconsequential. You can just make Him up any, into any kind of being you want. You choose your version of God. I choose mine. Or better yet, choose no version of all. But even if you say you believe in Him, it doesn't influence your life. We 
are bombarded with that message all the time, as well as a message that love yourself supremely and do what you want, how you want, when you want. Now, like I gave the example, if we had a one-pound weight on a scale and an empty goldfish bowl on the other side, the one-pound weight would hold it up. And then if you started putting in grains of sand, just little by little, little by little. Now, the individual grains of sand, they don't weigh much, if anything. All of a sudden, though, if you keep pouring the grains of sand in, you finally reach a stage where things start to shift. And then finally, if you keep pouring those tiny, almost weightless grains of sand, they accumulate to the fact that they reach a tipping point. We have reached a historical tipping point. We are those that the Spirit of God was talking to when it says, in these last days, there will be terrible times. Now, I've said each week, I'm going to say it again. Scripture uses last days in two ways. In one way, the last days are when God has fully revealed Himself in Christ and in the completion of the New Testament. Those last days are complete. They ended in AD 96 when the Apostle John was the last apostle. The Spirit of God used him to write the book of Revelation. But then the Scripture in Old and New Testament repeatedly, redundantly talks about the last days as a period of time where there's about a seven-year period just prior to the, the intervention of Christ to return to establish His kingdom on earth. So we're looking at this thing from the standpoint of that seven-year period. I've said each week, I'm going to say again because I don't want to be misunderstood. I am not saying that we are in the start of that seven-year period, which is usually known as the tribulation period. I am not saying that, okay? I'm not not saying that either. I doubt that we are. I think we still have some time, but we have absolutely reached this tipping point that the Spirit of God was pointing to where society has changed and will remain changed and will deteriorate even worse. You say, Randy, that's scary. It's uncomfortable. God wants us, remember what we say each week, God wants us to understand so that we will be able to stand. What we understand, even though we may not like it, we usually can stand. All right, so let's get into our message today. We want to take a look at the human destruction of societal respect because that is what's happened gradually through time. The grains of sand, they finally reached a stage where, where we are uh, way down the road in destroying forever societal respect. Now we're going to look at this uh, from, from an angle of what, what, are, what is the roots of this? You know, what, what's the why? We're going to look at the roots and the fruits. The fruits are the what? What does it produce when society is uh, when, when respect has been destroyed in a society? But we want to start with the why. What, why this deterioration? And what we're going to find is this. The roots today of the uh, destruction of respect that we see in society, they're, they're based on atheistic naturalism. Again, the tipping point factor. It, it was 1859 when Darwin's Origin of Species came out and everything started to shift. All of a sudden, mankind had an explanation that did not need God as a starting point. Everything just kind of happened by accident. Now, this is always so interesting to me because it's such a preposterous theory because what it comes down to is this. Everything in the universe, everything in existence came from nothing for no reason. Nothing is nothing and nothing can't come from nothing. Okay, or something can't come from nothing. Yet that's the theory. 
that you know everything in existence, all the various life forms, everything that we see, everything came from nothing for no reason. It's preposterous. But anyway, that's the view. And then Darwin's you know theses that you know there's this slow evolution that 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 life happened accidentally. When you start with the notion that life is accidental, that every life form is an accident of evolution, then that means that you're an animal, I'm an animal, and, and we're all kind of just on the same playing field and none of it really matters. There's no meaning. Uh, therefore, you have a situation where respect is going to be very differing. And I'm going to talk about the basis of respect that we do have in society still. So atheistic naturalism, and again, 1859, all through human history, that line would have been kind of flattened, and all of a sudden it starts to shoot up on that knowledge basis. Let me give you another example. Scientism. Scientism, and I use that term, scientism and humanism, start developing in this same era. Scientism is this belief that science has the ultimate truth, the last word, on everything. <laughs> let me, let me give, you, give you something interesting to think about. How many scientists, okay, picture all the scientists that have ever lived through human history. They estimate about 108 billion people have ever lived and died on the planet. So, picture all the scientists that have ever lived uh, through human history and make a guess at what percentage of those scientists are alive today. So you're looking at all the scientists through human history. What percentage of those scientists is alive today? Have you made your guess? Maybe some of you said, well, 50%, um, 30%, 67%, 90%. 90% of all the scientists that have ever lived in human history are right now, today, alive on the planet. We are in an abnormal period of time. It's anomalous. There's never been an anomalous explosion like this. It's created scientism. Scientism and naturalism, atheistic naturalism, has replaced theism, which is belief in God and that all things came from God. That's the root of the disrespect. If I'm an accident and every other life form is an accident, then the basis of respect is kind of up for grabs. Listen to this portion of Scripture from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him or respect Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, it's not that we don't have some respect. And I can almost hear somebody say, Well, Randy, you know, there's still respect in society. I agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree, but I believe with all my heart we are seeing the destruction of respect in society. So respect in society today is extrinsically based. I talked about the difference last week between something that's extrinsic and intrinsic. Extrinsic is something that's it's, uh, the product of exterior forces or exterior context or beliefs. So here's what I mean by respect today is extrinsically based. Here's how it works. I will respect you if you, get this now, I'll respect you. This is how society respects today, typically. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm saying the majority. I will respect you if you, here's the criteria, you need to charm me, or you need to entertain me, or you need to buy me, you know, you got to offer me some money, you got to bribe me, or you need to threaten me, scare me, or you need to force me, make me. Here's, here's what it is. 
extrinsically based respect. I'll respect you if you charm me, entertain me, buy me, scare me, or make me. Now, when you have a society based on that, respect becomes a little bit of a brutal thing. It becomes hard to come by. And it means that if you can't fit into any of that criteria, if I can't charm you, if I can't entertain you, if I can't buy you, if I can't scare you, if I can't force you with brute force, you may not respect me at all. And we are seeing this attitude become pervasive all through society. So these are the roots of the human destruction of societal respect. It starts with atheistic naturalism, the, the rejection of God as the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. Now, that's the roots, but, but what does it produce? What kind of a society does it produce? What, what, what are the fruits of a society that has lost its respect? Well, the fruits are this. It's an ugly society that is. Now, I'm, I'm going to read you seven couplets, and, and I'm not going to trust my, my memory on these. I'm going to read these to you because I, I want them to kind of stick a bit. Seven couplets. Here, here's what it, the fruits of a society that has destroyed uh, respect. First of all, it's a society that is rude and crude. And I don't think many of us today would have much problem in acknowledging today's society is increasingly rude and crude. It's a society that is insolent and insulting. It is a society that is suspicious and malicious, suspicious of everything and everybody and what people say and what it means, and malicious, wanting ill will on people. It's a society that is stressful and hostile. People are on edge. You're, you're, you're concerned with what you say. Is somebody going to misunderstand you? Is somebody going to take issue with it? That leads to the next. It's a provocative, profane society. People are in your face, man. People are easy to provoke. It, it's an insulting society. It's a disrespectful society. So it provokes people and it's profane. The vulgarity in our society that, that per, per, permeates our society is, is truly an overwhelming thing. So it's a profane as well as provocative society. It's a callous in a cold society. People are cold, man. And it's a harsh and it's a hurtful society. That's what it produces. When, human, when, when we see the human destruction of societal respect, when a society loses its respect, this is the kind of society you have. This is the kind of society we have right now. It is not the kind of society that has existed through most of human history. Make no mistake. Because I know some of you are saying, oh man, you know, we've always had these kind of problems. Yes, we have. But picture my scale again. That one pound weight kind of kept at bay, as it were, the disrespect factor. But all of a sudden, in the past 50, 100 years, that disrespect factor, the sand has been pouring into that goldfish bowl. And now everything has shifted. It's not going to shift back until Christ returns. God wants us to understand that so that we will be better able to stand that. So we've looked at the human destruction of societal respect. It's a verse that gives us a good picture of what it produces. Romans 3 verse 14, it says, Their mouths are full of curses and bitterness. They run quickly to commit murder. They leave a trail of harmful actions. They do not know how to live in peace. They don't have any respect for God. That's the start. That's the key part of this. When respect for the Creator of all things is lost, 
Well, how can we expect there to be respect for the created beings of any sort? How can we, when there's no respect for the Creator, how can I have any respect for myself? Or how can I expect anybody else to have any respect for me? Everything starts to cave in. Everything starts to fall into itself. So let's take a look then at the divine design for societal respect. It's quite a contrast to the human destruction of societal respect. The divine design for societal respect, its roots are just the opposite. The roots of the destruction was in atheistic naturalism. Well, the divine design, its roots are in theistic supernaturalism. Theistic just means God, the belief in God, the trusting God. And supernaturalism just means that God is the one that is above all the laws of physics. He created them. We study them. He created them. You know. We study the atom. He created the atom. We, we study space and the universe. He created it. He is supernatural as opposed to what we look at as natural today. So theistic naturalism, a belief in God and a belief in a God that is almighty, above it all, all-knowing, uh, that's the starting point. And when you believe in theistic, theistic naturalism, you have a different set of values. When we try to define respect, I mean really when you're trying to define it, respect is treating someone like they matter, treating someone like they have value. It's, it's treating someone with some importance. But last week's message we, we, we looked at and we found that we've lost our sense of self-worth because we can only have a stable sense of self-worth from Christ our Creator. We're a society that, that we're struggling, we're fighting every day to prove our sense of worth. So when we lose our sense of worth, of course we're going to lose our respect because respect and worth go together. Let, 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 me, let me show you what I mean. Okay, over I think it's in France, uh, in, in the Louvre, um, I believe that's where the Mona Lisa is now. I could be wrong on that. Some of you art critics don't get angry at me. But somewhere in some art gallery, there's the Mona Lisa, worth millions and millions of dollars. Okay, it's guarded all the time. Contrast that with you or I going to a yard sale and trying to buy a Velvet Elvis. I don't know why you'd buy a Velvet Elvis, but just suppose. The, the Velvet Elvis, if you or I don't buy it at the yard sale, it's probably going to get thrown in the trash. Okay, why, why do we treat the Mona Lisa, we, we, we guard it around the clock, and why do we sell the, the Velvet Elvis in a yard sale or even throw it away? Well, because the one is considered to be worth much more. Its value is higher. What we value, we respect. What we don't value, we don't respect. Value comes from Christ. We're made by Christ and for Christ. He died for us to prove our value. We don't need to earn it. We don't need to prove it. We can't earn it, matter of fact. Nobody can take it away. It's given to us by God. But unless we have our value in place, well, then respect will never follow behind it. And so the divine design for societal respect, it starts with theistic supernaturalism, belief in a supernatural God, an almighty God, who is altogether good and sacrificially loving toward all that He's made. And it's intrinsically based, whereas human society today is, has an extrinsically based uh, set of uh, values, or, or, or excuse me, set of concepts for respect. Like I said before, you've got to charm me or entertain me or buy me or scare me or make me respect you. 
whereas God's plan is totally different. It's intrinsically based. It goes like this, I will respect you because of whose you are and what you are. Think about this. I will respect you because Christ made you for himself and died for you. I will respect you for whose you are and I will respect you for what you are. Christ made you in his own image. So this is the basis of my respect. It's about your worth and it all starts with God once again. Now let me give you a scan of some verses that give a good description of the divine design for societal respect. And these are all really beautiful when you look at God's design. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, it starts by just saying, Show proper respect for everyone. That's easy to understand, isn't it? It just says show proper. I know some of you are hung up on the word proper. Proper. Well, some people don't deserve respect. Every human being made in the image of God, though they may have terribly marred that image, deserves respect because of their humanity, because Christ loves them, even though they may have made a shamble of things. Show proper respect to everyone. That's God's plan. Everyone gets respect. They don't have to fight for it. They don't have to charm anybody. They don't have to entertain anybody. They don't have to buy anybody. They don't have to scare anybody. They don't have to force anybody to get respect. They receive it. It's, it's, it's a right. Show proper respect for everyone. Love the family of believers. Have respect for God. It all starts there. No respect for God, no respect for man. Honor the emperor. Now, this is interesting. When Peter wrote this, the emperor was Nero, and the first persecution of Christians was actually starting. They were rounding people up just because they were Christ followers, in many cases, taking them to the arena to be fed to lines and burned you know, at the stake and all kinds of things. And yet, Peter, led by the Spirit of God, says, Honor the emperor. We are told in the New Testament we are to honor the governing authorities. You say, Randy, how can you honor? They are the worst human beings in the world. Because we honor the position God put them in. God put them there to, they are supposed to keep order and safety in society. When they don't, God will deal with them in time that they have not used their stewardship properly. But you and I should still honor the position that they are supposed to be fulfilling. Listen to what it says in Romans 12:10. It's writing to those that are fellow followers of Christ, God's plan for societal respect. It says, be devoted to each other with mutual affection. Excel at showing respect for each other. We, we are to excel at showing respect for each other. We, we, are to, we are to go over the top at showing respect for our fellow believers, our fellow followers in Christ. Here's another one in, in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2. It says, respect your father and mother. It is the first commandment that has a promise added to it. It was the promise in, in uh, Exodus chapter 20 that um, they would receive a longer life if they honored their father and mother. Probably meant that mom and dad won't kill you if you do what they tell you. But at any rate, it says, respect your father and mother. L listen, does this mean that every father and mother is, is perfect? L listen, you know and I know there are some terrible fathers and mothers, horrific but God is, con is completely aware of this, but he still says his design for a respectful society is to respect them to the degree of, of you know, what we can. And I'm, I'm not saying be a target for abuse and all these kind of things. We, we, we're not getting deep on all that. Listen to this one, Leviticus 19, verse 32. It says, show respect to the 
elderly. This is God's design. The elderly are to be respected. Why? Because they're elderly. That's what God says. He says, show respect to the elderly. Honor older people. And listen to what he goes on to say. In this way, you show respect for your God. I am the Lord. So here God says when we respect, His, his design is that older people are, should be respected just because they're older. And God says when you respect them, when you honor them, you're honoring me, uh, the Lord, your, your Lord. So God's plan, His divine design for societal respect, it's a beautiful one. It, it's, it's a comprehensive, respectful society. Now, what does that society, that, that's the roots. What are the fruits? What does it look like? What kind of a society does it produce? Whereas the one produces an ugly, offensive society, God's respect or, or design for respect produces a beautiful, affirming society. Respect affirms, it validates our value, our worth. It tells us we matter. Let me give you seven couplets again. It's a society where there, we are polite, and appropriate. That's part of God's design. It's a society that's, that's kind and affirming. It's a society that's accepting and caring. It's a society that's enjoyable and cordial. It's a society that's peaceful and pure and warm and sensitive. And it's a society that's gentle and helpful. Now, what I want to do in closing, getting ready to close, I want to contrast those couplets with one another and show you the difference in the society makeup that, that they, they produce. So let's look at, first of all, the first couplet of a divinely designed societal respect. It produces, first of all, politeness and, and appropriateness. But look at what the other society, a society that's based on extrinsic uh, respect, it produces a rudeness and a crudeness. God's society produces a, it's a kind and affirming society. The one that rejects God's value system, it's an insolent and insulting society. God's society is accepting and caring, whereas the one without God is suspicious and malicious. God's society is enjoyable and cordial. The other is stressful and hostile. Everybody's in your face on edge. God's society is peaceful and pure. The society without God's respect is provocative and profane, full of vulgarity and profanity. God's society is warm and sensitive. The society without Him is callous and cold. God's society is gentle and helpful. The other is harsh and hurtful. Now, I want to close with just a couple thoughts. There was a man named uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. And he wrote a lot of things. He was a German philosopher. He, he was a completely lawless guy. He, he believed that there's no, no certainties, no absolutes, no, no rules of any kind. He believed that um, if mankind would ever grow to the height that he should, that we would cast off all influences of morality, all influences of religion of any kind, and we would become the, 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 the superman, that we would create our own new moral code of conduct and so forth. But he said something that's often been misunderstood. And I want to read you the words. This is in 1882 in the parable of the madman. Uh, Nietzsche wrote this. He said, God is dead and remains dead, and we have killed him. How shall we murderers of all murders console ourselves? Now, he was not talking about the death of Christ. 
Nietzsche was talking about that as science was growing and man, think of Darwin again, 1859. Darwin came along with this, his origin of species. All of a sudden, God was not needed. Nietzsche believed that since man was becoming enlightened and learning about science, that we no longer needed God. But Nietzsche was smart enough to know that when you take God out of society, you take the moral structure out of society. You have a respectless or a disrespectful society, and it's a society that's hostile. It's a society that's aggressive. It's a society that's, that's on the brink of destruction. And that's what he meant by how shall we console ourselves for this murder of murders. He was saying that science and man's coming of age, as it were, had destroyed the need for God. That, that's what Nietzsche meant when he said that. The interesting thing about Nietzsche, he, uh, in 1889, he went completely insane in the last 11 years of his life. Uh, he, he was in an insane asylum, you know, not functional at all. So the roots the roots of a disrespectful breakdown in society. It is godlessness. It is a rejection of God. But the fruits of it are disastrous. It's the kind of society that we are now getting. It's an in-your-face society. It's, an, it's a society that's hostile, where everybody's suspicious. Everybody's divisive more and more and more. Everybody's taking issue with every word. Everything is scrutinized. But that is not God's plan. And so here's what we need to consider. How does the Spirit of God want us to take this information? He wants us, first of all, to guard our own hearts. It is really hard to live in a society that has no respect without it starting to work its way into our thought system and our behavior, work its way into, into our parenting, for example, work its way into what we think is normal. We must keep God's model for respect clear in our minds. We must communicate it to our children from the earliest ages. We must keep it as clear as possible in our interactions with everybody that we meet, especially in the church and especially in our households. God's model of respect, we need to guard it first in our hearts, then we need to guard it in our homes and in our churches. The second thing we need to do is this. We've got to seize this opportunity to contrast. In other words, if we are those that have God's kind of respect and we live out daily God's kind of respect, we, we make a contrast with the ugly, rude, crude, profane, provocative, disrespectful culture that we live in today. And sometimes when you can contrast the ugliness sufficiently, two things happen. Sometimes they get angry at you or at us for contrasting it, but at other times it awakens some that can be awakened. As you and I are showing forth that kind of respect that God intends, it can, it can serve as a wake-up call. People start to see there's something awfully wrong when DC transit bus drivers are being spit on, when they are being yelled at, when they are being punched, when they are having urine thrown on them. Somebody's got to wake up. Something has gone wrong. A tipping point has been reached, and it gives a grand opportunity for we as Christ followers to show the respect for, for you that, that, that are new parents, I, I, a personal plea, do everything in your power to train your children from the earliest ages to be respectful. Um, you'll have to figure out exactly what that means, but, but please take God's, His model for respect and make it a, a huge part of the upbringing of your children, no matter what the other kids say or do or think or the way they behave. Um, 
we, we, can, we can take this terrible time and we can make it one that, that magnifies the beauty of God, the beauty of God's kingdom, the wisdom of God's willing ways, and show the unnecessary destructiveness of personal willfulness, uh, of humanity that rejects God's influences and God's truth. So I hope, I hope that when you next experience one of these uh, illustrations of a society that's losing its respect, you won't let it, first of all, get in and affect you. And it's hard not to. I mean, it really is hard. Secondly, you'll take advantage and you'll, you'll, you'll contrast. the. Con in other words, when you are being treated or you are being exposed to the most disrespectful behavior that you yourself as a Christ follower will show forth the most respectful behavior well beyond what is deserved in the hopes that, that God's beauty and God's truth might, it might just puncture the hardened heart of somebody that's living this life of disrespect. Let's, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the beauty of your perfect plan for a, a society, a universe, just full of respect that everywhere anyone goes, in any situation, all the time, they are treated like they matter. They, they are treated like they're important. They are affirmed. They are validated. Uh, may your spirit strengthen your people, your, your church, that we can be those that contrast this age of disrespect with the respect that fills your kingdom, that fills your world, that will fill the universe. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.